The drivers need knee pads. They do. They wear the. They wear those weird sideways knee pads, and they like walk out like they strut out of the car with them like all facing in and yeah. weird. And we know they're just nerds. It's just so nerdy. All right, welcome <laughs> to the Haas Boys podcast. Yep. Your American Formula One friends in the Formula One world. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying out different slogans every week. <laughs> every week. I My name is Max. I'm your host with my buddy Mike. What's up, guys? Mike is the brains in the organization. He answers all of the questions oh. as I ask them. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much the formula. <laughs> that's kind of the formula one. Of this podcast. Yeah. The yeah. only one. Yeah, so if you're new to Formula <laughs> One, feel free to send in questions. Listen, we try and keep it beginner level, but sometimes Mike goes on a tangent. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but this is the for, the Haas Boys podcast. It's a long intro. I've never I don't even, explained I don't, this podcast so much. But I mean, why why worry about it? We're not worried about it. Sometimes you just got to have an intro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're super hyped because the Miami Grand Prix just happened. And it was hype. And there was so much fanfare. It was just a hype And we're just fest. trying to keep up. Yeah. Everything's neon teal. Yeah. Around here. But um before we do that, let's go through some news first. Yes. Then we'll get into the Miami Grand Prix. Yes. And then like last week we talked about a bit of NASCAR. This week we might talk a bit about IndyCar. If you want to learn about other motorsport, we're giving some nice ground up builds on those sports. And then we have some listener questions. So nice. Let's dive into it. The <laughs> action. Sounds like a good format. <laughs> I'm excited for it. All right. The news. We only have one bit of news today. Just one. And what is it, Mike? Nico Hulkenberg this last weekend announced that Haas will be bringing a big upgrade to Imola. Ooh. So that's big news. How often can they bring upgrades? I mean, it's all about the budget and how you position yourself and what kind of upgrade you're looking for. Oh, so literally Mercedes. they can do upgrades every week? Yes. In theory. In theory, you could if it's the within F your budget. The the FIA rules don't say anything about that. Nope. As long no. as they've cleared it. Okay. Because that is a part of it. And what did Nico say? Yeah, that this is going to be a big upgrade that is going to literally... <laughs> it, it, I'm botching it, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that in my words... He said it was going to fix everything. Everything. <laughs> That's hilarious. But but like what 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 do you see as the faults of the Haas Formula 1 car right now? It is a really good qualifying car. It is. And both Kevin and Hulkenberg have proven that this car can really show its stuff on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to race strategies and pace, mm -hmm. it is not kind to tires. Okay. Something seems to be going amiss a little bit during the race, and that's what's causing it to drop off and not be nearly as competitive as it is on right. a Saturday. Okay. So there are some things it needs to fix. Totally. Obviously, if it's not beating Max, then there's something to fix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess that could be a way to see it. Yeah, there's only nine other teams trying mm -hmm. to figure that out right now. And maybe just a quick side question. This is 
out of my curiosity, how many upgrade packages does an average team do a year? What is normal for a team? Well, it depends, again, on the size of the upgrade. So some teams will go as big as saying, we have a brand new floor this weekend. Mm. That's a gigantic carbon fiber piece that's going to have many things that can change on it. Obviously, you can't do one of those every week because that would be really costly. Right. But sometimes even just slight changes to a floor or to a front wing, uh, to the end plates, to the shape of a side Mm. pod. Any of those can be adapted and, and altered throughout the season, right? just depending on how substantial the upgrade is itself. Okay. But yeah, a small winglet uh, you know, change to the front end plate or something, it could be an upgrade in, in air quotes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, interesting. Well, that's exciting. Imola is the next race, and that's in Italy. Correct. And that is, I'm checking the calendar, that is 19th. The weekend of the 19th through the Which, 21st. Yes, so we are not this weekend, but the weekend after. Nice. Yeah. Okay, fun. Fun stuff. Totes. I like Italian races. Yeah, and Imola, as we've talked about in the past, is a, is a great event. It's deeply rooted in the sport, mm-hmm. and it's a high-consequence circuit because there's grass and then walls. And so Formula One cars don't stop on grass. But people die there. <laughs> well, that's, that is Maybe true. Maybe we'll let it out that in. <laughs> that. <laughs> That insensitivity, but also it's true. Yes, it is. This is why I, I mentioned the other t- the other day. Yeah. This is why I love it. Yeah, it's a dangerous sport. Because people are risking their lives because they want to win. Right. And I don't know if most athletes would do that. LeBron James sometimes won't risk risk a, a knee. Tom Brady was never in danger yeah. when he was throwing footballs around. They'll like stop playing the last couple games of the season because they want to be fit for the postseason. Like, yeah. Let's come on. Get in a car and see what you really like. Yeah, exactly. Freaking LeBron James wouldn't even fit in a Formula One car. No. That, no. 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 <laughs> He's tried. <laughs> anyway. Super awkward. Speaking of awkwardness, the Miami Grand Prix. <laughs> Here's a segue for you. Speaking of awkward, America's shining its brightest colors at the Miami Grand Prix. They're going all out. Um, I guess since we're we're bringing it up first, and everyone's roasting it on the Reddit's, is that player intro? Yes, the driver introduction. And I went back and watched it. Holy cow! My one comment that keeps sticking in my brain is. It's crazy to me. I don't think Will I Am knows how to lead music. Probably not. <laughs> and he is, I mean, Grammy winner, has played at the Super Bowl right. and at the Grammys. Right. He knows music. Music is definitely in his career. But he doesn't know how to lead it. I don't know if swinging that baton around. <laughs> it was barely offbeat. Yeah. And it wasn't in any pattern. Like, I know enough about music to know how to lead it. <laughs> But I also, it's at the same time, you, at the same time watching him do that, I'm like, oh, he is off. But we all know he's not actually leading this music. Right. He's... There was a quiet, like a court, uh, orchestra set up to play music as the drivers were exiting the portal. And we all know Will I Am isn't conducting them. Uh, no. And they're professionals, they, you know. They, and that was they don't only... even watch a conductor. <laughs> it's only like one fifth right. of what was happening during that whole scene. Right. It yeah. was a lot. And, you know, we know that we've talked about this in the past, that mm-hmm. there's just the cringy elements of being an American, yeah. watching Americans do what Americans do best, mm-hmm. which is just ruin everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was very impressed that LL Cool J announcing the drivers got all their names right. B- pronounced to perfection, yeah. in fact, actually. Really good. It was pretty cool. I gotta, gotta give it to them. Yeah, that was impressive. But a lot of the drivers were complaining that that took away from their prep to get ready for the race. Boo-hoo. The only ones that loved it was Lewis. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, the truth is, is that I just see a bunch of British guys being like, mm, I'm so mad that I had to do something <laughs> because I'm an athlete. Yes. I mean, that, that was the only thing that bothered me about the driver intros. For every fan that watched and had a comment about mm-hmm. how cringy it was or yeah. whatever, to me, I was like, it was cringy because all the drivers were being such tools about it. That's a good point. Who made it cringy? It was the drivers. <laughs> <laughs> they all wore their like cool down vests. They, like, and they just, they like, like pitcher Nick DeVries, this new guy in the sport, he has a face like a toad. Like, like I don't know what his face is doing. <laughs> just me. Yeah. <laughs> like a muppet (laughs) he just yeah he he walked out and just kind of like imagine not moving your arms and walking wearing a vest full of ice cubes right and just like yeah no interaction with ll cool j yeah come on give him a fist bump yeah just be like thanks dude for like the cool intro i don't know what nationality nick devries is but he's you can you can still do fist bump you definitely can do a fist bump (laughs) i mean Hello, Cool J stopped Max for stopping <laughs> while he's walking yeah. out. I, you could tell Max was taken by uh-huh. surprise. Yeah. And he handled it great. Yeah. And uh, Nick DeVries, I mean, he called him a Formula E champion. And I mean, yeah. he is. He gave him a good intro. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was like all the drivers. Right. Some of them were veteran ones. Looked a bit more cool, but like Lance Stroll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's never done good at these situations. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys! Yeah, there's a race today. Um, and and I mean, I, imagine imagine being Oscar Piastri, and and just knowing that you're Australian mm-hmm. and being that disappointed. Yes, because I was gonna say I remember I I've seen this same thing happened at the Austin Grand Prix years ago. Right, they introduced drivers. They came out of a portal. And Daniel Ricardo comes bouncing out of the portal. Right. And you're like, this guy's fun. Well, and you and I have been to rugby games. Yes. It's not like in Australia, this is like an unknown thing. Yeah, people they, could they be intro happy. the team and they run out on the field <laughs> yeah. and there's cheerleaders and it is very much like yeah, an American fanfare, sport. fanfare, yeah, in every sport. I just think that at times, in in my opinion, the cringe fest actually comes out of the driver's <laughs> so posh yeah. like, upbringing. Let's stop blaming Miami for this. Yeah, Miami definitely takes a part of the blame. <laughs> But let's throw it all on George Russell's shoulders but let's, where yeah. it belongs. Oh, gosh. And like, I actually think he was the cringiest part of the whole thing. Because <laughs> he comes out and he's like, yes, this is all for me. I am wearing my sunglasses. Yes. yes. And he was practicing his catchphrases for later in the race. And he was like, that's how we roll. <sighs> he's, uh, yeah, he I, is very cringeworthy. Yeah. I, I, maybe, maybe a task. And actually, you know mm. what? This is going to be my challenge of the week for our listeners uh-huh. and for us. Yeah. We are going to generate new catchphrases for George to say oh, over the throw radio. This up. We can throw this up on the Instagrams. Because right now his catchphrase <laughs> is, that's how we roll. Who gave him that? I don't know. But it it's was not, his dad. It's not It working. was his mom or dad. They sat him down. They're like, hey, here's what the cool kids are saying. This is what T.I. says. <laughs> <laughs> we did some research. <laughs> we found some rap music. And T.I., he's a big rapper. He's a big one in America. <laughs> it's 20 years too late. Yeah. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> but he says that's how we roll. Oh. That would be really cool for the socials, I think, I, for the for the teenagers. When they make, you know, the Instagram the videos where the uh-huh. text appears? Yeah. That would that one will work, George. George, it, it could help in... Uh, I, does he have... He has a girlfriend. Oh, I think... Your girlfriend will love it, George. She, she'll be like, that's my man. <laughs> and it'll be just like love, the way that you deliver, that's uh, how we roll. I have been trying to... Dis- 
to put into words how George Russell is trying to be cool. Yeah. And I think we finally found a good way to say it, that oh. his parents are coaching him. Yes, it is. That is actually a pretty we've, accurate way. We've discovered it. Just, yeah. just remember that kid who grew up in your neighborhood whose parents were helping him be cool and be like, yeah, that's George Russell. He's like, when in doubt, keep your sunglasses on. <laughs> it works. It works, George. Look how cool your dad looks with his sunglasses, George. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Dad does look cool. Well, I mean, that is our rundown of the Miami Grand Prix. Yeah, that's all we need to discuss. No, no, we can't okay, because I okay. think the highlight of the Grand Prix weekend is Kevin Magnuson's weekend. It was insane to Starting me. getting P4 and qualifying. Which was great. And then a crazy battle with Chuck Leclerc. That lasted the whole freaking yeah. race. Yeah, and Charles Leclerc hated his life. How uh, could he not? <laughs> Max and I were commentating the race together while watching it. And uh, I couldn't help but just speak for Charles every time Kevin yeah. contested the spot. <laughs> it was just like, what is happening? Oh, I loved it. It was so good. But starting with qualifying, yes. Kevin Magnuson up in P4. P4. Charles Leclerc crashing out. Into a barrier and for his second time in that so, weekend. It's oh, rough. Same barrier. Yeah, we'll talk about That is now called the Leclerc barrier. <laughs> the Leclerier. Yeah. <laughs> Can we Google map that? I think we need to. <laughs> the LeClarier. Yeah, welcome. Okay, yeah. Yes. On that. Fans get on that. Yes, get on it. But yeah, a wonderful P4 because they had to red flag the qualifying. Can they red flag a qualifying and then get back to racing, right? Yes. But there was just too little time. Right. So they were under a minute 40 left and the laps range from a minute 26 to like a minute 32. Mm-hmm. And so that meant that there was no time for a warm-up lap to get their tires to get their tires ready and get a lap in so mm. they just decided that the session would not be resumed wow and it was amazing secured p4 for kevin magnuson wasn't the fact that this is actually the highest qualifying we've got because kevin magnuson's p1 was a sprint race or something yeah so kevin's pole I position was... is a technicality for a sprint race and right. p4 is the actual highest starting grid position for haas ever interesting he still he still day. got pole he still has a pole but this is also now the highest grid position on Sunday. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyways, super interesting qualifying, a very mixed bag on the order, which mm-hmm. was part of the reason why that was cool. Mm-hmm. And then a full Spanish speaking front row, but then also yeah. third place. So the yes. top three were all Spanish speaking. And then the guy, he's so great. <laughs> Captain Magnuson. Captain Mag taking the P4. No, very Latin top three. Loved it. Latin top three. Scandinavian number four. He loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So is Danish Scandinavian? Does that qualify? I think it's all up there. Yeah. It's a Viking return, right? Exactly, yes. So anyways, created a real interesting start to Sunday. He didn't get off to the greatest start. I was going to say, yeah, the start, he lost a couple positions right off the bat. Again, something that is kind of... Could be a thing that we're getting an upgrade for. Yeah, well... (laughs) Some boosters. and, And it's the dirty part of the grid. Because P3 lines up behind P1, which is on the left side of the grid. Okay, I've never considered this, okay. And then the other side, P2, P4, P6, all the even numbers are on the dirty side. So there's marbles and dust from all of the, you know, like the Porsche Cup Series that races the same day. Oh. As well as, you know, all the practice sessions and qualifying for Formula One. So the track doesn't get swept on purpose. Oh, really? So that way they can keep the rubber down. And although it rained overnight, that doesn't Doesn't... clean the track on the spots where it's dirty. (laughs) Right. Okay. Mostly just washes the rubber off. So where Kevin was was particularly dirty. Is a not ideal spot in the circuit to start. But the person ahead of him, so Fernando. So Fernando did have a decent start. But again, it's all down to 
you know, how good was your formation mm. lap yeah. on warming up tires and stuff like that. So anyways, not the best start, but I know that Kevin also knows deep down that he's not really competing with a lot of the cars that he's surrounded by. Mm-hmm. So letting a number of those guys pass is tactical to being able to preserve the tires and run deeper into the race. Okay, yeah, I can I can get that. That's something we can tell ourselves yeah, well, as Haas fans. <laughs> for sure. Well, and I think that this is kind of what plays into at least why he was able to battle Charles as hard as he did. Because like Charles... Obviously had a terrible qualifying. He qualified. So he in got the, in the barrier. Yeah, he, <laughs> he went into that um, la barrier. <laughs> what did we call it? Leclerc. 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 Yeah, and so that and that led up to a really great battle between Kevin Magnuson and Charles Leclerc, and Charles could not get by Kevin Magnuson for and the it, longest time, a couple of times. Right. And I mean, they're pretty equally matched when you give them this scenario. Charles is burning through tires trying to get ahead. Yep. And Kevin, who's not very much defended the positions until he started to get a little lower, Uh suddenly is protecting everything. Yeah. And his tires are in great shape. Yeah. And so suddenly now you've got a Ferrari and a Haas that are actually doing pretty similar lap times. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, go back and watch some highlights because I'm sure these are some of the highlights. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because Charles Leclerc would open up his DRS and it's it was crazy also, side note, to be like, the Ferrari's DRS isn't crazy powerful. No, nowhere near Red Bull's, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so like he would open up that DRS, I would get nervous, and then he would barely catch up to Kevin Magnuson. But then there was like those those couple laps where he did get by him on the big straight. Right. And then Kevin Magnuson just like sticks on his tail right, right to back the small him. DRS yeah. and then just goes right past him. Uh, I was like, Charles Leclerc is hating his life right now. He's like, I just got past Kevin Magnuson. On to the next one. And then coming from behind, just like Kevin Magnuson right by him again. He's like, Suck. He's like, stop doing this. <laughs> and then and then he finally got past him. And then I feel like later they had pit, they pitted. Uh, they were Charles then, was behind him. And then he was behind him and again. Had to do the same thing all over all again. All over again. Just a nightmare deja vu it for was. him. But I loved it as a Haas fan. In NASCAR, there was a driver named Ryan Newman, and he was known as the hardest dude in the group to pass. And they always said that he was harder to pass than a kidney stone. Mm. And I think we need to pass this on. And now night, <laughs> Kevin Magnuson the is kidney the kidney stone, stone of Formula <laughs> One. That's a great idea. I love it. Because, yeah, he was definitely throwing off Charles Leclerc's whole day. It was so fun to watch for some reason, and I loved every second of it. Before we dive too deep into Charles Leclerc, anything else to say about the Grand Prix? No, I mean... Max sailed ahead. Look, I think that one of the things that was interesting, and I I do want to touch on this for a second, is that there was a lot of negativity about Miami's race in general, saying that, oh, it was super boring or whatever. And here's where I will advocate for it. Because of the mixed up order that we got in qualifying, there was a ton of passing. Yeah. Not for the lead, but there was a lot of overtaking happening. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that meant there's a variation in strategy of when different people were on attack. Mm -hmm. And so it just gave for actually a lot of interesting overtaking during the race. Very exciting driving. Right. Then when it comes down to the difference between Max and Sergio and mm-hmm. how that strategy ended up playing out, yeah. giving Max a fresher tire and an advantage at the end of the race, again, Max winning the race might be disappointing to us fans, but Max's effort from P9 having the fresher tire at the end of the race and overtaking Perez for the win, this is kind of Formula One. Yeah. And obviously these teammates don't want to crash into each other. They're mm-hmm. not at the point in the championship right now where they're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just not at each other's throats yet. Yet. 
And so it was wise of Perez to play ball mm-hmm. and just say, okay, I'm, I'm a sitting duck. Go ahead and win this one. Yeah. On to the next one. And yeah. I thought that both of them actually handled this very well. Neither yeah. of them were pouty little babies about anything yeah. the whole weekend. And I think like while a lot of people were, like you said, mad. They're like, it was a very uneventful race. Right. But if you are new to the sport and you think it's all about crashing and like stuff that are exciting like that, then yeah, it wasn't your race. <laughs> right. But if you wanted a master class in some like overtaking and some defending and some like good strategy, then it's all in there. Right. And totally. that is true Formula One. I think that was that was your point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was a great race in that sense. And I mean by also, comparison to Baku, Baku didn't have any it's like, passing. It's like side note, um <laughs> They keep being like, no one has won starting P9 since 1980. <laughs> it's just the dumbest it's like, stats. <laughs> it's like dumb stats because like, what, like two or three years ago, Lewis won from P20. Yeah. It's like people have done way better. Crazier things. This is just a weird stat. But you're just because it's P9? Yeah. Is yeah. that why you're it's mentioning this an, stat? It's just an interesting stat. Yeah. I don't know if it's an actual it's stat. It's not a big feat. It's not because a, it's people not have, measurable. People have started from further back and won in the past five years multiple times and having big feet in formula one is not a good thing <laughs> yeah because you can't drive a big feet so small space just saying like if you <laughs> if you were thinking that that was a big big feat for max yeah. <laughs> you think max has big feet then you're wrong he doesn't tiny little feet <laughs> <laughs> but yeah poor charles Leclerc. yeah so let's 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 talk about charles crashed and qualifying he also crashed earlier that week. I think it was FP2. Okay, that was two this week. Two this week. And then you were saying. All right. So you kind of. Two this week. Yeah. Once during the sprint shootout mm-hmm. in Baku, which was the qualifying session for the sprint race. Okay, so crashed in Baku. Australia, he was crashed out in lap one. Crashed in Australia. And then in Bahrain, his engine exploded, and so he had a DNF. So. Has he finished a race? I mean. <laughs> Has there been a weekend he hasn't exploded or crashed? Uh, yes, once, which was in Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. So, but that's, here's the thing, though. Yeah? That is a horrendous track record for no. somebody who's supposedly a top three team. Yeah. What is Ferrari going to do with someone who's consistently wrecking the car? Especially with how much Italy and Ferrari seems to love Charles Leclerc. Yeah. There seems to be some realization at this point that the harshness that was handed down mm-hmm. onto Sebastian Vettel may not have been as deserved uh-huh. as it now appears. So when Sebastian, was, Sebastian Vettel was at Ferrari, right? he was being scrutinized like crazy. Very heavily by the Italians and by his own team at Ferrari. Do you think the love affair between Italy and Charles Leclerc is over? That's the bigger topic. Is, Do you think is Charles will less about the car yeah. and more about who's in the seat? Because Carlos Sainz seems to be getting something out of the car. He doesn't seem to be struggling in the same way that Charles is. Yeah. Question is, has Charles Leclerc, like his his chi, his mojo, is, is he just like out of it? I mean, we've been making this joke all, all along. Yeah. That he's just kind of a little emo and... You know. So here's 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 the thoughts I was having when I first started watching Drive to Survive. People were like, "Oh, Charles Leclerc, he's the next big thing." Right. And I was kind of like, "I get it. Yeah, he's yeah. on Ferrari. Like he's won a couple races. Right. He's doing good. Like I was on board. And then when I started to, <laughs> I was like, something's off with this guy. Was it last year? At the end of last year, they have that Formula One banquet or something. Yeah. And I feel like Charles Leclerc had just broke up with his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were taking pictures at the event and 
Max Verstappen was there with his girlfriend, Kelly PK. Right. And she's gorgeous. He's handsome. They right. were taking this lovely picture together. Yeah. And then the next picture is just Charles Leclerc by, by himself, himself against like, a wall. And like he looked short. Like they had taken it and framed it just like <laughs> neck up. His neck's like thick. So yeah. he just, and his hair wasn't done right. No, he looked like he'd woken up from the couch. <laughs> like he, like not even his own bed. I was like, is this the same guy? Yeah, what is happening? No, something's off. That's when I thought, first off, I was like, well, this isn't the prince right. that we all think he is. Right. No, he's struggling. He's getting some, he's got some demons. <laughs> and I don't think he's dealing with them since. No. I mean, honestly, I think that part of what, part of what makes Charles Leclerc different to Carlos Sainz mm-hmm. is that Charles is he's got this ability on qualifying laps yeah, and everyone knows that that's where he really shines. I don't think that anyone can qualify as well as him. Mm-hmm. And it would be very interesting to see him behind the wheel of a Red Bull. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. what can you do in a car that's not going to snap on you out of nowhere yeah. and put you in a wall? Mm-hmm. What does this look like? But also that means that the difference between him and Carlos signs during qualifying is driving the car on the absolute knife edge of what it can do. Yeah. So what that means is that you are teetering mm-hmm. on the most dangerous point of what that car is capable of. Right. When do you know that line and when to risk it and when to not? Yeah. And I think that that's what Charles is battling with. Battling, yeah. Is when to risk it and when to not. And right now it seems he's like he's just pushing it the risk yeah. direction all the time. Yeah. And as the team principal, Fred Vasseur, who yeah. has a good relationship with Charles. Yeah. How long does he hold on to that? How long is he willing to be like, you know, you've smashed a fair number of our cars this year. <laughs> he looked pretty mad at the Miami Grand Prix. <laughs> he might be cut, though. No one's safe in a Formula One. They really aren't. And yeah. so with that question in mind. Yeah. Who would be a replacement for Charles Leclerc? Maybe we've talked about Lewis isn't happy at Mercedes. This is a Could reality. Lewis a go to Ferrari? <laughs> Could Daniel Ricciardo go to Ferrari? Right. There's there, there's these drivers that could shift around. There has been so many rumors over the years that Lewis actually has always wanted to drive for Ferrari. And so, I don't know. Could seeing Ferrari pick up Lewis and Lewis in a red suit win his last championship? Could that be fun? I, in my opinion, I think that kind of I, I think it would be like the biggest high five I could give Lewis. Mm. You did it! Yeah, <laughs> you're the first one since Kimmy. Yeah, it would yeah. be amazing to it'd me. Be an, it'd be a cool way to end his career for sure. I would agree. Before we, uh, before we move on to the next segment, yeah, <laughs> something well, no. I've noticed. Uh, oh no! I mean, we talked about Alonzo and how he, he's had a rumor because uh, he's he's so. No, it's not the Taylor Swift rumor. Oh. It's, no. That's he's, a different one. I, I guess I wouldn't say rumor. He's had a reputation that he's always been kind of like the alpha and really hard to work with. Right. With other teammates on this team or whatever. Right. Very difficult person. Because he's very passionate and he's good, but very hard-headed. Definitely. I feel like right now at Aston Martin, he is being so complimentary of Lance. So complimentary and, of and I, Lance. And I think it's just because... Lance is the owner's son. Right. And he needs to play ball to keep that seat. And the seat is a good seat right now. Right. (laughs) And I just love that this Alonzo is just like, oh, tell Lance that was a great turn. Right. Hey, Lawrence, your son is a smashing driver. He's a stud. Every time he opens his mouth, it's like a young William. (laughs) Is he William Shatner? Young William Shakespeare just spewing with eloquent words. That's amazing. How did you raise such a good man? Uh, How did he get here? 
what kind of tips does he have for me as a driver? What can I learn? <laughs> Tell me, Lawrence, what is Lance's secret? Yeah. Finishing P12 in a race, I finished third. <laughs> I feel like that's the vibe. And I love it. I still can't believe that he caught it on TV, that he actually saw Lance's pass while he was driving. Yeah. And was like, here's the thing. Like, you've seen the onboard through the helmet camera thing. Yes, their visibility is zero. Is zero. It's also color tinted, like, pretty aggressively uh, by, yeah. like, sunglass yeah. type of, you know, elements. Uh-huh. And so for him to be driving, not only be able to, like, take his mind off of what he's doing yeah. and see a Jumbotron uh-huh. at that speed. Yeah. But then to identify to it as Lance. It, identify it. He is amazing. <laughs> it is mind-blowing. He probably is the best driver on that grid right now. And because he was so alone during this race, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I want to say- driver. I'll say the smartest driver on the grid right he now. He definitely is, as far as quick reaction skills are concerned. And I think that's the key to his success at 41, mm-hmm. is that he's just as sharp as he's ever been. Yeah. And he proves it with crap like this. Yeah. But here's the question. What else can Fernando Alonso do when he's racing? Because apparently, you know, watching the race isn't exempt yeah. <laughs> from what I he's mean, doing. I mean, he's planning out a lot of other things. After the race was over and they're interviewing the drivers, I was expecting him to be like, how was the race? Alonso's like, oh, it's good. I finished my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I filed e shipped with TurboTax. I finally cleared out my Netflix queue. <laughs> like, there was some stuff in there that I was like, I've seen this TV show already. I finally burned through the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> What was left? Uh, it's been a long season for me, but this time, this race, I had so much time to myself that I decided this was the moment. Yeah, so just now, the things that he could be doing. Yeah, he's, he's he's literally planning out the rest of the race in his mind. Like we said before, he, he races with like, what, 20% of his brain, 30%, other 70 is like planning. And he saved 15% or more on his car insurance yeah, during the race because yeah. he, he went and <laughs> found that Geico was really going to help him. Yeah. Incredible so, driver, man. Unbelievable. And I think people are becoming fans of Alonzo that didn't want to be fans. Oh, I th- I think so too. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think it's just, it is part of this new persona that he's put on. Yeah. I think that everybody is enjoying this, this, <laughs> Where where's Lance? Is he all right? Yeah. Is, is he okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Darth Vader questions uh, about Padme. Are he's, now, he's, he's, a, he's done a, he's done a nice little 180 and people are. Jumping on that train. Yeah, and I mean... And I hope I hope he gets back to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that if the car doesn't win a race by midway through the season, you'll start to see him be a little less congratulatory. Mm, I think that that's when it's going to start to show its ugly head. I want him to get that race win so bad. He wants it too, and I think that's, again, I think that's where it'll start to show up. Right, well, shifting gears. Are we ready to move on? Let's move on. Shifting the gears. We had a fan uh, write in a while ago and ask us what other motorsport we like. Yes. I am just getting into new motorsport because on the off seasons of Formula One, I'm still aching for some racing. And on weekends where there just isn't a race like this one. Like this weekend. What else is there to watch if you want some speed? Definitely. And so we are going through different motorsport disciplines. Last week, we talked about NASCAR in a quick overview. So if you want to, go back and listen to that. It was fun. I learned that NASCAR started by bootleggers. Yeah. Um, and Moonshine runners. And this week, we're going to be talking about IndyCar. Yo, yeah. And what that is. IndyCar. Well. The Indianapolis car. The, Inap- the car that's Indianapolis. So Mike, start us off. How did IndyCar start off? 
Indianapolis really is at the heart of IndyCar because that's where the teams are based. And oh. so most of the teams have their facilities and everything right there in Indianapolis. Okay. So NASCAR is very North Carolina based. Okay. And IndyCar is very, the hub is the racetrack I did itself. not know that. I went to the Indy racetrack last summer. Oh yeah, you did. That's it was right. Fun. I didn't know there were any teams based there. Yeah, they're all in that kind of surrounding area. That's cool. I did not know that. Yeah, that's where the Andretti's actually live, believe it or not. Oh, really? They have a farm in Indiana. Indianapolis is a nice town. I like that city. It's cool. Yeah, it's not a bad place. I would live there. Definitely a little bit uh a little bit cooler than people are aware. And it's a massive home for a huge motorsport, so that's cool. Totally. And one that is native to America. How native? Well, How did it start? So here's the thing that's really interesting. Yeah. The history of IndyCar is part of the reason why the sport's not very popular. <laughs> why? <laughs> the whole point of what I'm about to just break down for you mm-hmm. is that instead of calling it IndyCar, we're just going to call it open wheel racing. Okay. In Does America. that help us? Does that help us out understand the history? A little bit. Okay. Because IndyCar itself, as we know it now, mm-hmm. didn't technically start until 2008. Oh, wow. Which is pretty recent. But that's crazy because, I mean, the Indy 500 has been around for ages. Forever. That track is super old. Right. And so the Indy 500 is a very much the center of the sport. Mm-hmm. It's also known as the greatest spectacle in racing, in air quotes. That is their tagline mm. for the Indy 500. You can just name yourself anything. <laughs> just like the Haas Boys. Exactly. America's Formula One podcast. Exactly. <laughs> we were given that name by the president... We filed the forms, <laughs> and they're like, is there any other podcasts that are American-based? We're like, no. We're the best ones. But the president gave it to us. Yeah. Which president? The president. You don't need to know. You don't need to know what president. The president of the Haas Boys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Parker gave us that name. <laughs> but anyway, so this sport essentially is considered the open wheel racing of America. Okay. And it because it changes its name so regularly, that's why I want to refer to it this way. Because gotcha. from 1902 to 1955, uh-huh. it was the AAA, American Automobile Association. Oh, okay. And that was the governing body of the sport. Right. And then from 1956 to 1978, it was called the USAC. Okay. Which was the United States States Auto Auto, Club. Auto Club. Yeah. Auto Club. Auto Club. Doesn't sound like a racing league. No, it just sounds like a a bunch of dudes. A bunch of old guys. Jackets that match. Exactly. And you're like, come on, not that. Not that. Not that again. And then from 1979 to 1981, the Cart was the name of the league. The Championship Auto Racing Teams was what CART stood for. Oh, it was an acronym. It was. Okay. Yeah, just like the rest of them so far. Okay, yeah, so this is great. Yeah. Now we have two open-wheel racing leagues. Correct. Gotcha. And they're both similar cars, both similar looking. They're both open-wheel cars. Okay, both fast. Both doing circular tracks and road courses. Okay, crazy. Gotcha. Uh, There was a, during this time period as well, there were a lot of the kind of dirt circuits. So this is where IndyCar and NASCAR actually have some similar routes. Okay. Because oval racing is pretty much always rooted in dirt racing because the idea of being able to go fast around a big swoopy bend was kind of something that was found more on loose surfaces like dirt Mm. than it was on like tarmac. Yeah. So anyways, 
kind of get down to the point, mm-hmm. bef- I could go on forever and ever and ever because this list is enormous. Yeah. But the point is, is that it hasn't had a consistent name. Right. And because it divided itself in two yeah. at one point. How was that watching it when you were little? It was confusing as hell. <laughs> you couldn't even make sense of it. No, because Cart had the cool teams, which had Mario and Dreddy and oh, okay. big names. They got Penske team, the Ganassi guys. Some of the teams that still exist in IndyCar okay. were Cart teams. Okay. And then Indy Racing League is what it was called at this point. Mm-hmm. The other one, yeah. the IRL, was the one that actually owned the track, the Indianapolis Oh, Speedway. so they had the home base. They had the home unlock. base. And at one stage, the fight between the two series, yeah. because they used to race together for the Indy 500, got so bad that the IRL, Indy Racing League, told them that they could only run a few cars in the race, eight total, but this was, Kart had all the big names. Oh, weird. They had all the cool drivers and all the cool manufacturers. No, that's not good for a league. No. Or a sport. For a sport. Yeah. And basically caused something that, again, forced the sport out of the limelight and giving birth to the rise of NASCAR. What was it in basketball? So yeah, I know the NBA was at one point split into two leagues. Right. But- they're only going to get powerful if they are one. Right. And so, again, because of the time period when this happened, yeah. 1996 to 2003 is when it really got ugly. Again, oh, yeah. That's prime. This was a peak of television coverage. Yeah. And media is helping motorsport come into the limelight. For real. And guess who was rising to the occasion? NASCAR. Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Who became household names for hating each other and mm-hmm. having the best rivalry that television could televise. I mean, and this might be why people like me know the names of Jeff Gordon. Right. But I could not list one indie car guy. And you had no idea yeah. that in they, that time period yeah, that- Split up and crazy. Nigel Mansell, Mr. Mustache himself, I'm playing with my own mustache here to, yeah, to show are. it. Nigel Mansell raced in kart. Formula One champion. Formula One champion. And at this point, he was yeah. a Formula One champion. Yeah. Mario Andretti, obviously. Then on top of it, you had Jacques Villeneuve, who then won a kart championship and then went to race for Williams and won a Formula One championship. Yeah. And so, look, like the synergy actually between the two sports is pretty insane during that time period. But also because uh, all of the cool teams, all of the cool drivers were kart racers. Mm. So the sport decided that uh, we're not going to include them in the greatest spectacle in racing. Yeah. Uh, Ended up having just a massive impact on it. Now, fast forward. The sport has now recovered from this. In 2008, they came together. In 2008, they came together and created IndyCar. IndyCar. Which is now what we know and love. Nice organized place for all the motorsport of open wheel fans to go to. Oh, sure. Yeah. What you said. Exactly. There's <laughs> something in there that made sense. I can, I'll, I'll see what I can cut up and make yeah. coherent for our listeners. <laughs> I think those words just need to be split up and put in the right order. <laughs> Let's try it now. <laughs> nice organized place for all the fans of open wheel motorsports to go to. <laughs> so. But now it could grow fans as IndyCar. Right. And part of what is cool about it is that there are a lot of things that are kind of similar to NASCAR and then still somewhat similar to Formula One because it's an open wheel racing series. Yeah. Which is Formula One. Formula One Meaning like the axles are showing. Right. Single seater. Yeah. It has like a cockpit and 
Yeah, they're very exposed. Right. But then what's similar to NASCAR is that it is a spec racing series. All the race cars are the same. Right. And guess who makes the car? Do you remember this from a previous episode? Ferrari. Marinello. No. Haas. It it is an Italian company. It is Dallara who makes Haas. Yeah, I could not remember that. So. We have a tie to the Indy Racing, uh, to IndyCar, because the cars are all built by the same company that makes ours. So IndyCar, if uh, you're then paying attention, it's more of a driver's sport to see, I guess, the manufacturers don't play as much. In Formula One, it's like the team building the car and the driver together are going to make a winning team. Right. In IndyCar, it's very weighted on the driver right. because all the cars are kind of in air quotes, like you said, the, the same. Right. And they have had time periods and eras mm-hmm. where they have varied a little bit from that format, creating mm-hmm. something where like there's a Honda chassis and a Chevrolet chassis mm-hmm. and they were slightly different. And you could kind of pick one or the other. Yeah. And the teams would. And that alliance basically would give you advantages on different racetracks. And speaking of racetracks, they race on ovals and street circuity type things. Correct. And, I mean, and road courses. Road yeah. courses. Right. Yeah. They do have street circuits as well. Cool. So who are the big teams and who are the cool drivers right now? I can name one. Go for it. I mean, Romain Grosjean. Romain Grosjean. Yeah, Romain Grosjean. He's killing it. Romain Grosjean. Right. Guess he's, he's doing pretty good. He's doing awesome. Former Haas Formula One driver. Former Haas man himself. Now racing for, is it DHL? Yes. I knew, and Andretti. And Andretti. That's the Andretti team. Oh, okay. There's one team and one driver. And there's a couple of drivers on that team that are successful. Mm-hmm. But Grosjean's definitely top of the list of people who to be excited about on the Andretti team. Cool. The person who's leading the championship right now is Marcus Erickson, former Sauber driver. Oh. And Charles Leclerc's teammate on his rookie season in F1. Okay. Marcus was let go by Sauber and he went to IndyCar and now he's found himself the championship leader and now has won an Indy 500. Oh, cool. He won last year's race. Really rad. So That's a fun guy to root for, to follow. Super cool. And Marcus is a great race car driver and, you know, he's uh, he's actually the biggest advocate for IndyCar. And I, and I love it. In Miami Grand Prix was getting blown up with all of these comments from fans being like, oh, this is boring or not enough passing or whatever. And he just kept tweeting everyone and being like, watch IndyCar. It solves all of this. I don't know why you guys aren't watching it yet. Uh, so I'll let you give out yeah. a few more teams yeah, 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 and drivers. So- and then I have a cool thing that you taught me about IndyCar that's exciting. Yeah, totally. So moving on, McLaren has a team. And they have Pat Award. They do have Pat Award. The Oscar Piastri fake <laughs> guy. Except they couldn't be more different. <laughs> Pat Award is Latino, he's Mexican, <laughs> and he's not Australian. But he definitely uh, races for McLaren, and he's good. He's really good. McLaren actually stole Alexander Rossi from Andretti. Okay. And this is his first year at McLaren. Uh, Rossi was the last Red Bull junior driver that was American. He didn't make it to F1. He was next to take that seat. Mm. uh, And I believe Daniel Kvyat took it when Uh. he was... Up would have could have for the spot, know, yeah. What could have been so Rossi's a great driver, he won the Indy 500 once as well. Okay, nice, and he's become a pretty big icon in the sport. And then moving on, we have the Ganassi team. Ganassi has, I believe, Marcus Erickson is a Ganassi driver, but on top of that, they have Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon has won, I think, six IndyCar championships, maybe oh, seven. Oh, he's the Lewis. Yeah, he's 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 destroys. the old Schumacher. Yeah, he's real good. Mm. And then lastly, Team Penske. Penske. Yep. Penske owns IndyCar. Yep. As a whole, uh-huh. also has a team in the sport. They're a huge name. If you go to the Indy 500, go to the cool museum and do a tour of the track. The totally. Penskes are all over. 
Well, and Penske has deep yeah. heritage. We'll do a we'll do a ground up on them at some point because Penske's not just an IndyCar thing. He is a motorsport legend. Mm, cool. Uh, currently has team a Porsche team that's yeah. running in IMSA and Le Mans. Yeah. So if you're new to motorsport and you're in the Midwest area, go to the Indy 500 Museum. Yeah. It's super fun. Super rad. Lots yeah. of cool stuff there. Lots of cool cars. For sure. But yeah, other than Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson, there's one last dude that I'm going to mention. And his name is? Well, you know, again, we can talk about it, a lot of people, but one of my favorite people is Scott McLaughlin. He is from New Zealand. Cool. He won in Australian V8 supercars. Okay. And made a splash over there and such a big one that he was recruited by IndyCar to come over and race in America. That's a fun guy. That sounds like a fun origin story. And he is really good. And oh, he, cool. He, <laughs> but what's funny in a way and yeah. sort of sad in another, he's the one that took Grosjean out in St. Petersburg, ah. Petersburg this year. But those two guys, they like each other a lot and they know how to race each other hard. So cool. anyways, cool. Scott McLaughlin's another one to look out for. Cool. Mike, what are your three reasons why IndyCar is cool? Three reasons why IndyCar is cool. No power steering. Oh, and, that's got to be rough. And I don't know. Does I've, Formula One have power steering? Yes. Oh, that's tough. And so think about it this way. I don't know how many of our listeners have ever gone karting before, but if you haven't, yeah. go do it and do multiple races. Do like three or yeah, four. Do it, I dare you. Your hands and your arms will be fried by the time <laughs> you're done. And it is amazing how much of a beating that you actually take. Yeah. Imagine doing that at 200 plus miles an hour. Yeah. Pretty impressive that these guys are battling like two hours. these race cars for two hours. That is impressive. Without power steering. Okay. Number twos. A reason number two. The gaps are never Formula One size. So they- So ab- they're bigger. <laughs> they're smaller. Ah. So the field is a lot closer. Okay. And there's always passing. There's always action. There's always a wreck. There's always something hmm. going on. Okay. And so the races are very interesting and fun to watch. Tons of passing. Mm-hmm. Close, bunched up field. Love it. Yes. Third reason. Yes. And I think it might be something that you were going to allude to I here. I think it is. And it's push to pass. Yeah. Yeah. I think that push to pass is a really good exercise and an mm-hmm. idea for how to attack somebody. Because mm-hmm. where DRS is limited, and it's something that we saw in Miami, uh-huh. is that it doesn't always mean you're going to pass somebody. Yeah. It's like, oh, you get a little extra speed, but if the car in front of you is just faster, yeah. you're not going to pass them. Yeah. Formula but, One has DRS. Right. And IndyCar has push to pass. Tell us what it is real quick. It's right. It's a button that gives you a boost. And you get a certain amount of time per race to boost, right? Correct. And DRS is drag reduction system where the wing opens. Mm-hmm. So that way it's just less downforce. And it only happens in certain sectors of the racetrack. Right. It only happens within certain zones. And so... With push to pass, it's anywhere. You and you start with 200 seconds Wow! at the beginning of a race. You can use it in 20-second increments. It's a button on the steering wheel, and you elect when to use it and when to not use it. See, that's kind of been an exciting twist on right. racing. And so your competitor can use it at the same time. Basically getting a mushroom in it, Mario Kart. It is. It's like... And, and it's almost like you launched another one at your competitor because <laughs> he's going to for sure use the button at the same time you are. Yeah. That becomes the tactic of trying to preserve Whole what you level, have yeah. and use it in moments where you know you can win the race. Very cool. So it is a very cool sport. It's fun to watch, and I would definitely encourage people to watch it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Why are your three reasons for <laughs> Formula One is cooler Being than IndyCar? Than IndyCar? Yeah. Yeah. Nico Hulkenberg. Oh, no. Here we go. Captain again. Magnuson <laughs> and Nico Hulkenberg. Oh. <laughs> you got I, me with that last one. I did. Did you say I was going to say Gunter? <laughs> On the edge of my seat. <laughs> Waiting for it. All right. Well, thank you for uh, 
nice ground-up build on IndyCar. Yeah. And so, yeah, like he said, like Mike said, we encourage you to watch it if you need a race to watch. Open wheel looks like Formula One, but kind of different. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. All right, next we have awesome fan mail questions that have come in. I'll read I'll read this one real quick and then Mike, if you wanna I know Mike got a question. I did. So this question comes in. He says Oh, just went away. All right, this question comes in. He says, Yo, Haas Boys, discovered your show this year and I like your style. Oh, thank you. New new writer. New writer. Haas F one is the team every American needs to be rooting for. Yeah, you get Very it. Very correct. Yeah. I got a buddy named Joey who has become a Haas boy too. Nice. What's up, Joey? Tell us about your friends. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Keep it coming. Uh, yeah, this is killing it now. He says, quick question. Which Haas driver do you see scoring more points this year? Haas for life, Sean. Mm. Thanks, Sean, for writing in. That's a good question. Give a shout out to Joey. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think? Oh, Sean. I mean, Nico is ahead in the points right now. Yes. By like five. Yes. Um, I definitely think it's going to be... It's going to be really close. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting once we have this upgrade to yeah. see how Kevin reacts to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Kevin and Nico have leveled officially at this point, mm-hmm. but with a better car, I don't know. Yeah. What do I you could, think? I mean, if you would have said this, asked this question like two races ago, I would have said Nico, because right. he just seemed to have a better handle on the car. Right. But like you said, I think Kevin's catching up now, and so it could be anyone's game by the end of the season. I mean, I'm really liking Hulkenberg right now. I think he's so cool and funny. Cool. Not, not to throw any shade at Kevin Magnuson. Captain Magnuson did great this weekend, and I loved watching him battle. Yes. I'll just throw it out there. Holkenberg. All right, I'm going K Mag. Perfect. I think that that's the only way that's that this could get. Because it's hard to. Whatever you said, I was going to say the opposite. It's hard I like to choose between your two favorite kids. Yep. Yeah. Well, actually, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I have three. That's why. All right. Um, and then we had another question come in. Yes, we did. And this is a this is an aggressive fan. Oh boy. And I, you know, here's the thing. Feel feel free to lay it all out there when you write us. Yeah. If you've you, got frustrations, you can be honest. This is a safe space. This is a very safe space. Bring <laughs> we've all never, your burdens. We've never made fun of a listener question. If listener questions <laughs> just becomes into therapy <laughs> sessions for you, yeah, we're. I know we vented before. Yeah, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp. <laughs> we need to make a Formula One BetterHelp. If you're tired of Max winning, fight <laughs> us. Because we we're tired of it too. We'll respond with the same level of hatred. <laughs> Do you see past Lewis's facade? We do too. Do you have a friend who's a Mercedes fan? Oh. And who doesn't see Red Bull as being just as dominant as Mercedes was? <laughs> do they think Mercedes never had a fast car? Do you have a fan? Do you have a friend that likes Red Bull? <laughs> and says, wow, what a great race. After watching a race this year? Yeah. Right in right to us. the Haas boys. We'll cover it. <laughs> we'll we help sympathize. You. We can cope. All right. With that in mind, this is our first. Okay. So let's first grouchy email. Yeah, this is what we're gonna do together. We're gonna learn this process. Okay. And so this is coming in from a, a listener named Troy. Uh huh. And uh, Troy was having a rough. Uh, Troy uh, McClure. A rough Monday, and I think you know, let's let's say it. Mondays are hard sometimes. Yeah. So here he is. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. <laughs> he says hello. No, he doesn't even say that. He says, "Here's my gripe." Oh I have been a F1 fan for 11 months. Wow, and, he's counting months. Yeah, he is pretty new. 
And he says, and here are the reasons I cannot get into it as much as I'd like. Number one, even though I like Max and root for Red Bull, mainly that's because uh, that's who my son likes. Okay. It is not competitive, making these races not nearly as fun to watch as I want them to be. Yep, I get that. Two. But he's wrong. <laughs> two. Why is it that it's such a win, air quotes, when someone scores one point? Well, I'll ask you, Troy, how many points do you have in Formula One? <laughs> We're going really well at like building a <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> good, good going into your therapist and yeah. they just roast you. Uh, <laughs> just <and> be <laughs> combative na- back to you. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I've, I've answered two of them. Listen, idiot. Do you think this is a complaining session? <laughs> You think anyone wants a roundhouse kick to the face when I'm wearing these bad boys? <laughs> Forget about it. Question so, three. Let me the, answer this one. Uh, question three and four. Okay. It's still not competitive outside of the top three. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> top or number question five. Sorry, you're just you're making this hard on me because you're just you would like these questions about as much as, <laughs> as I could have ever imagined. Yes, because I sympathize when I came in. I had these questions myself. Right. Number five. Ferrari. Where are you this year? Yeah, that is my big question. I remember you asking that question. Why do people like Ferrari? (laughs) I don't get it. Uh, Number six, uh, the talking heads once said, burning down the Haas. And with that, I'm ready to burn down the Haas. Why do we start P4 and then end 10th? Come on. So we could battle with Charles Leclerc. Yeah, We're not about winning. We're about making Charles mad. (laughs) We seek him out on the grid. And piss him off. We're essentially the person <laughs> with the blue shell. Yeah. We have the spiky blue shell. We're you know that one friend who's good at Mario Kart, yeah. but he just pisses you off by following you around and hitting you with bananas? Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's us. us. Yeah. We're, we could win. We could. <laughs> but we're too busy O'Doyle rules. Yeah. Sending people off a cliff with banana peel. No, we're, we're, we're going to way up the crit. Don't worry. Don't worry, Troy. <laughs> Number seven. Uh-huh. Still nobody is competing with Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> Revisiting that one. Yeah. Eight. Teams are so uptight about shaving hundredths of a second off, but they're 20 seconds behind Red Bull about a quarter through the race. That's a good point. Why are you worried about hundredths of a second? You should worry about saving tens of seconds off. Why are they going after milliseconds where they could be going after macroseconds? (laughs) Really big seconds. They say that a tenth of a second can cost more than a million dollars to achieve. Oh, okay. So, anyways. Shut down my response. (laughs) Nine is, I'm on Troy's team now. Nine uh, is simply quoted as the F word in all caps. Okay. So, um, and then he ends it with, sorry for the rant. I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> so here's where I'd like to start. Max, give me a quick rundown and overview of what you can remember from all those questions. Because well, that was hard to keep track of. Yeah, if I can remember from Troy. Is that he's mad that Red Bull is just flying off into the distance. I remember when I came into Formula One, Mercedes was even further into the distance. No matter what Mercedes fans are saying now, (laughs) no matter what they've forgotten, (laughs) they were dominating everyone. Everything. Just, just miles in the distance. Lewis would be at his hotel eating dinner and they would be finishing the race. (laughs) I I really have come to enjoy that. It's, It's not only just the driver being dominant, but it's also the team and the manufacturer. So if you want a sport where you can admire the fact that the team has come together to make uh, a power unit, an aerodynamic package, and whatever else to make that car fast. And then they have been able to select the driver to power that machine and to handle it. That is like, it, it is the ultimate motorsport because you have both the manufacturer and the driver coming together to be the most dominant. 
So while Max is ahead, it is boring and I don't like it. I wish that there was a more competitive field. It is admiring to be like, oh, Red Bull crushed it. Their strategy in the long haul, defeating Mercedes the last year, and then also going into this era dominant, like that's admirable. Pretty amazing. And then you find competition elsewhere. You know, everyone else is within like one second of each other. Right. And that's exciting. But um, yeah, I sympathize with that. Totally. I think that the way that I would look at this is I think that for longstanding fans and people who have been through that Mercedes era and now moving into a Red Bull dominant period, I think what makes this sport so exciting is that sort of dark horse that comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And as a reminder, last year, Aston Martin was P7 in the Constructors' Championship when they finished. Yeah. And the car was not very promising. And Sebastian Vettel's last radio message as an F1 driver was, I wish you all a much better car next year. (laughs) And it was because he was just so distraught with how bad his race was. Yeah. They were in a not so great spot last year. Yeah. They show up this year and they're P2. Yeah. They are the second fastest car on the grid. Yeah. Which is an unbelievable jump. Yeah. And the other two teams that were considered to be the the top three dominant teams that couldn't be killed because they were the Giants uh-huh. are suddenly wondering what they did wrong Yeah, because Aston Martin is there. Yeah. They're just there in the mix. And I hope that there's more like dark horses like that. It seems like in the recent history of Formula One, it's just like eras of dominance. It's like right. Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, Red Bull. Williams. Whereas I feel like in the 70s, 80s, early 90s, it was like anyone's up for grabs this year. It's a shuffle, yeah. And that seems like a lot of fun i hope we get past this era of dominant behavior and i know that the idea behind the new regulations and the new designs of the car Mm -hmm. were to get there yeah that doesn't mean that it was going to be perfect to start yeah and we knew that the top teams would still have more resource at their disposal to at least start this era off Uh but eventually that's going to catch up yeah and they can only develop so fast without the rules changing to make it so they can continue to evolve that car to be faster than everyone else. So in my opinion, we're seeing a dominant period, but I don't think it'll be like Mercedes. I think one thing that will help Troy is having hope because I am like, I hope Perez sticks it to Verstappen and that we have a competitive season there. I think that's... That's that's the hope we have to hold on to. And then in the meantime, you find that it's fun to watch McLaren be last. <laughs> It's, it's so you fun. enjoy the rest of the things. It's fun to revel in others' misery. Exactly, car. Exactly, it's crap in Formula One. What else was he sad about? I mean, he was sad about Haas, right? I mean, I think that that's a bad perspective. You're looking from the top down at Haas, being like, "Why aren't they up at the top?" You're like, "Yeah, we're getting there." If you go back to 2020, 2021, like Dismal. if you're looking from the bottom up, like Haas is so much better than where we were. Right. We had a slump because of budgeting and all this stuff that just went out the window. And now we're building back and we're crushing it. Right. Like we're just going to keep getting better and better. And Haas is this like sturdy little donkey just climbing up that mountain. (laughs) Right. Until it's at the peak. Right. And it's going to be great. Honestly, I see it that way too. I really do think that they're, they have built a way more sustainable business model than a lot of these teams that are throwing a lot at it. Yeah. Alpine, uh, where are they? Don't look at that glass half empty. Way, get it half full. Way bigger company and they're nowhere yeah. near. Yeah. So his other gripe was with Ferrari. Yes. I agree with him. <laughs> of course you do. It's like, what is wrong? What is, why are they bringing fans to this team? Max went to the museum in Marinello, for those of you who don't know this. I did. 
And in that museum tour was told that there were cars that you couldn't buy unless you had certain criteria from Ferrari. Yes. Since this moment. Well, there's that. Since this moment. (laughs) One moment. There's this pretentiousness with Ferrari. (laughs) There's also this weirdness where... Every American I know has gotten into Formula One. Right. It's like we all watch the series. We're all super into it. Right. And half of them were like, oh, I love Ferrari. I was like, why? You've watched (laughs) it for as long as I have and they haven't done crap. (laughs) I don't know why. Oh, there's just, there's so much for you to to learn, young Max. I I like Haas, (laughs) but also Haas is American. (laughs) It's like, why are you rooting for this foreign team that sucks? It's It's heritage. It's a red sports car. There's something charming about it. We all them. wanted Ferraris and we're little. Right. I still would say yes if someone offered me a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> would you? But I get it. I don't know why people like Ferrari. I, I think. I don't know why Charles Leclerc likes Ferrari. I don't think they like him. <laughs> is where I'm at right now. He's just crying on a piano right now. Yeah. And that might be his And new. that is the poster boy for Ferrari. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That doesn't quite send the right message. <laughs> nah, nah. But I, I understand. I understand what you're saying, and I understand what you mean. Yeah. As a kid, I only knew a dominant Ferrari. Yeah. And so once they stopped being dominant, yeah. it was this sort of hope that they would return to form at some point. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't more happened hope. yet. So you need more hope, Troy. You need more hope. Along with that, I think Mercedes won't be held back too long. No. I agree. If with it's that. not this year, it'll be next year. They'll come back full force. And at Imola, they're bringing the new car. Oh, so the new new is coming in Imola. Oh, and they they just brought on their old aerodynamic master, like they, the Adrian Newey of Mercedes, the chief technical officer. He like left, and then they brought him back to be like, "Hey, we suck." Yep, there was something that you were doing that we can't get right. Well, and it, I think that. It was interesting to hear an interview with him. It was a uh-huh. brief one. Yeah. But James Allison is returning to Mercedes, and I do think that that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. So as much as it pains me to say this, <laughs> we have hope that Mercedes will save us. Mercedes might be back. <laughs> they might be back. As, as, as much as I hate the idea of George Russell saying, that's how we roll more. <laughs> I was like, please, if he's passing Max Verstappen while saying it, I'm down. I'm down for that mama's boy to be screaming that as he passes Max Verstappen. (laughs) Well, maybe the car- It's a mama's boy versus a daddy's boy. Right. Yeah. The car might be more suited to Lewis. We'll have to see. Okay. We'll have to see. I hope that answers all your questions, Troy. If anything, we sympathize. In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Except for anything you said negative about our boys. Yeah, I know. Take it easy. Take it easy. Take a chill pill. Take a chill pill and get out of here. Get out of here. (laughs) We're so mean. Don't. Come to us. Come to us with your problems. You come. Hey, I have a question. You, you get out of here. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta give us problems, <laughs> Bahas. You should be swimming with the fishes for talking How like that. How many points do you have? You, Zero. You kiss your mother with that mouth. Haas has more points. What? In one race than you'll ever have in your lifetime. Yeah. How many points you got on your driver's license? Probably more than they do. You're not gonna be driving soon with those points. Points, guy. Listen, I mean, in terms of points, he doesn't have one. How many does Williams have? (laughs) One. Yeah. They want that. They, and we have more than them. We do. (laughs) How many does AlphaTauri have? AlphaTauri, two points. Alfa Romeo, six points. Yeah. Haas Ferrari, eight points. Yeah. P7. How many does McLaren have? 
14. We're going to pass McLaren. We are. I feel it. We're going to. Oh, it's so great. They had that anomaly in Australia. Flip them the bird with a kissy face. Yeah, exactly. As we go past. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> so anyways, we're on to bigger and better things as we move on to Imola. Yeah. In the meantime, send us your questions. We Check might We might get mad and make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us about your friends. Uh. Send us your questions. Please uh, listen to us. Share us with your friends. Like us and rate us on Spotify or our Amazon. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we are available. We're there. Um, and we have new listeners every week. And we have new episodes every week. So please join us. We enjoy having people interact with our podcast. For sure. Thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah. Bye. How was the race? I was like, oh, it's good. I finished my taxes. <laughs> <laughs>